Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel, back with Elias in the studio today. And summer is finally here. It is. Yeah. Um, it's getting hot out. I already got in trouble on the first day of, or the last day of school. Today's Blake's last day of school. So I take each girl to their favorite place for breakfast. So London loves Donut Land. Blake wants to go to Panera. Blake woke me up at 540 this morning and said, Dad, it's time to go to Panera. Wow. Which means the whole house was up. And they don't usually get up to like 730. So everybody was in a mood this morning. So I'm already in trouble going into summer. First day of summer and you already got in trouble. Wow. Everybody's grouchy. Good job. Why'd she wait? She was that excited to go to Panera, huh? Yeah. It's her favorite place to go. Just for breakfast or does she like to go there anytime? Uh, no, she just went, well, she'd eat a Panera bagel every single day. I mean, who doesn't like a cinnamon crunch bagel loaded with cream cheese? Those are good. It's pretty tough to turn down. Yep, those are nice. But as we go into summer, um, you got any good plans? Plan for your family this summer, Elias? Yeah, we'll go on a summer vacation. We'll go to Florida for like eight or nine days. So go see some family. Um, we're going to do a little bit of camping, not intense. We're going to rent a um, The DNR owns cabins. Down to Rathbun? Is that where you're going to go? We're going close. We're going to Oskaloosa. Well, okay. I put it on my calendar that we're going to Lansing, and I think that switched. I think we're actually going down by Oskaloosa, I believe, is what I was told. So I'm only 80% sure where we're going. Um, But that'll be one trip. We'll go to the water park a couple times. You should check out Rathbun. Those cabins because they have a water park right there, I think. Honey oh, Creek. Do they? Yeah, they're really nice, actually. I've stayed in those. Yeah. I had a cousin get married there. So I've stayed in those cabins, but that was probably almost 15 years ago now. It's been Me a long too. time since yeah. I've been there. Well, you know, as we kind of roll into summer, always reminds me of, you know, we work with lots of retirees and uh, we get we get the the ability to look at their money and see what they're actually doing with their money. And and I think it's funny that we have this in the outline today because on the way into work, I was having a discussion with one of our, one of my clients. Well, actually one of my friends, not even a client and um, an individual we know he's in his eighties. Now it's like the first year he's not going to go on a fishing trip that he's always went on. And I said, well, Brad, that's what happens. He's in the slow go phase of life, been on that fishing trip for however many years. And he just probably is out of energy to do it. And I thought it would be a good time because of that to, to just look at what people actually do with their money, what retirees actually do with it. Because when someone comes in here and they're 50 years old and they put together a financial plan with us, their expectation is that they're going to want to live this lifestyle that they have today throughout the duration of retirement. And I think what you and I have found through working with a lot of families is that that's not really how it works. How it really works is the first 10 or so years of retirement, you have this, I would say, higher spend more than likely because you're able to do all the things you want to do. And it's not just because you have more free time. It's because you're still physically able to do it or mentally able and have the energy to do it. As we get older in age, people tend to spend less money in the middle part of retirement. It's not a function because they're trying to. It's just They've done it all. And sometimes the energy to go drive eight hours somewhere, they just don't have it in them. They're like, no, I'm 
too busy. I mean, this individual told my friend he was too busy. He had too much stuff going on. I'm like, you have anything going on. He just, yeah, that's not, he, true. he just wants to hang out at home and that's okay. But I think that people, when they look at retirement should think about it more in tranches of how we're going to spend our money versus I live on $6,000 a month today. So I'm going to need that all the way through retirement. Arguably it's probably less in the middle years. It, it probably is. Uh, and I think, you know, I, and I don't know why, um, it's probably because we talk a lot about safe withdrawal rules and stuff like that, which that's kind of a rule of thumb. But um, I think what our families appreciate is we are able to let them know, like you can, your spending can be higher because a lot of people they have plans. Certainly, when they first retire, to do something. Some families they want to take their whole family on vacation. Some people want to buy an RV and drive around. Some people want to golf more than they used to. It you know, it's all these things and they all add up because it all costs money. Right. But when you can show someone, you can sustain a higher spending rate for a certain amount of time. That's where you start to get away from, you know, maybe, maybe you're just limiting yourself because maybe you don't know, you might not know how much you can spend. Like what is the maximum you can spend and never run out of money. And we can build those buffers in or guardrails, however you want to look at it. And I think, the people that we see that are just enjoying their retirement and spending their money and, and doing it, uh, doing it wisely. It's kind of fun to be a part of that and, uh, and see them do that. I ran across a survey from Vanguard and it looked at the behaviors of over half a million retirees over a 10 year period of time. So that's a lot of like statistical analysis. I mean, 500,000 people, that's, that's a lot. And they just took a look at what these retirees actually do with their savings once they're retired, because I feel like when people retire, it's a really hard shift for them to go from, hey, I've saved all this money for the last 35 years to spending it. So I think this is going to be a cool study to dig into. But 70% of the retirees in this survey preserve their money in tax deferred accounts, which that's actually not surprising to me, as most of the wealth in America is in some kind of a 401k account. Okay, whether it's a workplace retirement or a rollover IRA or, you know, traditional IRA that they've contributed to 70 percent are utilizing some tax advantage account. Um, the other one I thought was actually didn't really shock me that much, but says most retire most retirees actually leave their employer retirement plan within five years. And. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you my opinion, but I want to know from you, Elias, why do you think people leave their 401k plans and roll it over when they retire? I, I think I know, or at least this is why I would do it. So I'm looking to see what you think, why, why most people end up leaving or should leave their 401k plan when they retire. I think for most retirees, it's the, it's probably the most common event where people start interviewing the financial professionals they know and looking for some help. Um, there's other events that happen too, but starting to transition into retirement, because even um, someone who's a do it your, in my opinion, someone who's a do it yourself investor, they're a lot of times even they felt confident in the accumulation, but then they're not really sure how to manage a distribution strategy. They're not sure if they could be 
maybe they should be doing some conversions. Like there's all these different things that come up at that point that people start to think about and they want, they want some help. So I think it's most common that that's, that's a big event that you're going to potentially hire someone. And then even if you do, if you're a do-it-yourself investor, you're not going to leave your money in your 401k plan and be limited by the investment choices in there when you can do a rollover to your own IRA on any platform and manage the money yourself. Okay. So that, that leads into part of why I believe people leave the workplace retirement plan. Um, and I'll give you my opinion as to why I believe people leave, why I think for most people, it's probably advantageous to leave that plan, whether you're working with an advisor, you're doing it yourself. I think if you just look back to what a 401k or workplace retirement plan is designed to do, it is 100% designed around accumulation. And as you know, when these companies are acting as fiduciaries for their employees, they have to offer plans that meet that protocol where, I mean, most people in a 401k plan are, well, they're all working, but if you look at the average age of a 401k plan, it's not always top heavy. It could be top heavy to the older employees who have the most money in the plan, but from an age, you know, age, um, age arena, it's all spread out. So 401k plans are designed for accumulation. Thus the investment options in a 401k plan aren't designed for distribution. So if, if we have a plan that's specifically designed to accumulate dollars and get you to retirement, why would you think that's the best distribution vehicle? It's not. If you go look at the funds offered in a 401k plan, very few are oriented around driving income or generating any kind of income. They're going to have bond funds and fixed income in there, but that's mostly designed to, you know, as a risk metric. It's not designed to, you know, decumulate money out of this plan. So I think that goes with why, what you said, I think people, one, are looking for guidance at this point. They want to get a distribution strategy put together. But two, 401k plans are really designed to accumulate dollars, not to decumulate dollars. Um, I'm going to give you the really shocking one that I saw out of the study. 30% of retirees cashed out their retirement plan over five years. And that, that seems high. Well, so I want you to think about this for a minute. It seems high, but we've had clients of this company do this where they retire and all of a sudden they go on a spending spree. Yeah. I mean, we do a financial plan and we, we give them one number and let's say they, they're going to take 5,000 a month net after taxes, what they're taking from this plan that works. And then it's like, well, I need 10,000 cause I'm doing this. And then I bought solar panels, so I need 60. And then I bought this, which was another 50. And pretty soon they ripped through half a million dollars in 12 months. And they wonder what happened. Where did all the money Where to go? go? I mean, spending more money now than they ever spent in their entire life. And they didn't mean to. And, and the problem is it's, it's their money. But once they, I just find once people get access to it, it's a lot easier for them to spend. When it's they're working, they feel like they don't have access to it. So while this surprises me, based upon experiences that, that I've seen and how people treat this money, it doesn't really surprise me that much. No, I guess, yeah, 30% seems like a lot, but it, it probably, yeah, that's got, they surveyed over 500,000 people. and But remember, you're, we're all, we're, here's the other thing. Remember, not everybody has a half a million dollar 401k. 
There's a lot of well, people who there are 401ks, 15, yeah. 20, 27,000. So actually to kind of make this study better, could we just say, hey, of people who had over $100,000 in a 401k, how many of those individuals cash them out? I'm yeah. going to guess a lot of these cash outs. They're smaller. They're probably smaller. And if you need 20 grand to live on for the year and you got 30,000 in your account, well, you're pretty much going to cash it out to meet that one year living metric. So I don't think everybody's doing that, but you know, once people get access to the money, sometimes they make bad decisions, but it really goes down to why you should have a plan, why you should have a distribution strategy. And if you think about the last episode we did of this show, Elias, we talked about having a vision of retirement. If you have a vision of retirement, a lot of these obstacles that people face they're going to tackle before they get there. And what I mean is let's go back to ideal retirement. I love to be in Florida. I love to have a boat. I want to go to Bahamas, right? Or we have another client who wants an airplane. Well, when we built this financial plan, what do we do? We figured in, he had for us the cost of the airplane, the cost of maintenance, the cost of insurance. We built it all into his financial plan. And he told us how long he was going to keep the airplane. Like, because he had a great vision, he's got a better plan. But if you just roll into this and say, hey, I'm going to spend $4,000 a month. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's how you blow up a plan really, really fast. And the problem with retirement is when you were working and you made a money mistake, you had the opportunity to recover because you could work a little longer. You could do overtime, pick up a second job. Well, if you're 69 years old in retirement and you make a money mistake, how are you going to make up for it? There's very, it's limited, really tough. there's very limited options to make up for it. And a lot of times the, the real solution is you have to stop spending for a certain amount of time, which is hard to do, especially if you're already kind of in a pattern of just overspending and, um, and, and really just living outside the parameters of what was kind of set forth for the retirement picture. And, you know, it's people wonder, well, what, what should we do? The best thing is, is like you said, to put together some kind of plan and, and have a vision. Um, and then execution, right? Like if you kind of, if you outline what you can spend and what's sustainable, there has to be a little bit of staying within that. Unless you don't care. If you don't care about running out of money at some point, that's not a problem. If you care about that, but then you like, don't do the right things. Well, that's kind of an issue, but I've had people, I've had people tell me I'd like to spend all of my money by age X because that's when my parents had to get like nursing help at a nursing home. Listen, you know what that really is? They just feel they haven't saved enough, so that's your excuse to not save enough. But when we think about saving, let's take a look, Elias. I know this is up for you next. How actually America saves, like you know how people treat their money while they're saving, accumulating. Yeah, so th this article was uh, was pretty interesting. It was a uh, this was a long one too. It was like a hundred and ten page document, um, but this was uh, Vanguard again, and they analyzed data from five million retirement accounts um, as far as how Americans are saving. So the average four hundred one k balance, which is uh, it's up like ten percent, and this is twenty twenty one data, one hundred forty one thousand five hundred forty two dollars. And I think some of that has to do with, and this article was about 
some of it is because of like automatic enrollment now. So there's more people being enrolled in 401k plans. And some of that is um, just you're automatically enrolled. And the 401ks, because of their kind of their fiduciary obligation, a lot of them offer the target date fund. So if you can just automatically, you get signed up for whatever percentage, and then you get matched up with a target date fund, that's probably a suitable way to save your money. Um, there's more, uh, Roth has offered a lot more now. And, you know, I don't know if that gets people to save more. I think there's definitely a certain percentage of the population that very focused on socking away money into Roth when they have the option. And most likely that's because they're unsure of what tax rates will be in the future. No one knows what tax rates are going to be in the future. Um, and th this one was kind of interesting, which this is not good investor behavior, but loan 401k loans have slightly increased. Um, 13% of participants in 401ks in this study had an outstanding loan in 2021, average loan amount 10,600. And this is something you see. Um, I've actually re recently met with a family that there, it was kind of an interesting conversation and process because the issue for them was not their contribution rate, but actually I could make the argument that they were saving too much money because then they had times where they would have to borrow against their 401k to meet to make ends meet. And they have for their age, they have a, a good amount of money saved, but there's some debt and some other things going on. Um, so it's a combination of things, but it's not typical that someone is saving the right amount of money, but they're almost saving too much because that money for them would be better spent. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't be saving at all, but the money for them would be better spent to get out of debt and then their mentality sh should shift to staying out of debt and then maybe ratcheting that uh, that savings rate back up. But I've, I don't think I've ever come across a family who was saving, like between the two of them, they were doing 15% of their total income into their 401k plans. But then one of them had a loan against it. I think that was the first time I've, typically someone has a loan is also not saving that much money either. Yeah, I mean, um, they probably just push themselves to the li limit. But I mean, honestly, you know, we always like to talk about paying yourself first. That's what they're doing. They just haven't like dialed in the exact amount yeah. to hit their goals and meet their, their personal obligations. But right. the good news is they're saving because if they don't, they're going to be dependent upon Social Security if it's still here. And if you think about depending upon Social Security, in my opinion, that's just a recipe for disaster. Like nothing's good's going to happen from that. Like when, when I think about social security for myself and my family, it's just kind of the sprinkles. It's not going to be the ice cream Sunday. It's going to be the sprinkles on top because we don't even know what's going to happen to this over the next 30 years. I mean, there's going to have to be some major reform to keep this thing completely solvent in, in the form it is now like the, you know, it's, they can make it solvent, but it's not going to be the benefits that we have now. And, and if you look at it, the average Social Security benefits just a little over $1,700 a month. It's $21,000 a year. That's basically the U.S. poverty level. I mean, if that's all you have, that's almost poverty level. And four in 10 beneficiaries, that's 50% of their monthly income. 
and and I'm going to tell you where it gets really dangerous if you're you're relying on if you're relying just on social security and I don't think a lot of people think about this. You have husband and wife, they each have a $2,000 a month check. So you go into retirement, you both are 65, 67, let's say you're getting two grand a month and you have a small 401k, but you never really saved much and your bills are 3000 bucks. So day one of retirement, things look pretty good, right? I got 4,000, I spend three, we'll be okay. Well, there's two things are gonna happen, inflation and death. And people forget that when one person dies, you lose a check. You don't get both forever. You get to hire the two, but you're going to lose a check. And a lot of people don't think about that this when they start to do their financial plans. They, and they pe- don't. Pe- Social Security is not intended, was not intended to be a retirement plan for you. It was re- designed to be a supplement, not your full retirement plan. So I recently went to... I went to a seminar on social security planning that was put on by a, um, a financial professional we do some business with and they had um, like a higher up in their company come present on it. And it's really, it, it's really um, kind of shocking almost to see how many people like they take their social security benefit early just because they think that's how you get, you start taking it. That's how you get the most out of it, which really the way to get the least out of social security is to file at the earliest date. But the, the number of, it was like, I think it was 50 to 70%. It's over half of people just do it like right when they retire. Um, well, part of that, they think they have to, I had someone the other day, they're like, Oh, we thought we had to take it when we retire. I'm like, right. No, there, you don't have yeah, to take it. There's a lot of misinformation out there on it. So there is uh, one, there's a lot of misinformation about there just about social security and the strategies and it, it there's not as many options anymore as there used to be on how to file and what you can do but there are some considerations like if someone dies do we get a, like you want to keep only you only get to keep one check and in addition to that there's one of the things i'm always surprised with is uh people that i feel have a more conservative investing posture like they're uh, how they tolerate risk. I always feel like delaying social security is a very easy solution for them, right? If you're conservative and those are guaranteed increases, if you kind of factor that into your total picture, well, maybe you can make some, some better decisions and maybe we could be a little bit more aggressive in your investment portfolio because we know we're getting this here, but, um, you know, it just takes a little bit more thought than, well, I'm going to get the most if I file right away at 62. Most people I've found that take, like, tell me that, that, hey, I have to take it at 62. It's really a function that they didn't save enough money to bridge the gap from 62 to 67. And it, yeah, and if that's the situation, then you just, you have but to. But just be honest with yourself. Don't say, well, this is the best way. No, it's not. It's the best way for you, maybe, but it's not the best way in general. Yeah, right. Because, you know, you run all the risk of longevity risk now and inflation, all these different things. And that's great. Last year, they gave Social Security this really nice increase. Just go look at what the cost of the increase in the Medicare Part B premiums are compared to what they've increased Social Social Security the last 20 years. It basically is a wash. So it's not giving you like a lifestyle increase. It's keeping, keeping up, up with your premium. With your premium. Your that's about insurance. it. Yeah, and as regarding Social Security, because there's always a lot of scary news about it 
to, I would say most, I would say the direction it's probably going. And this was kind of, this was confirmed at the presentation I went to, uh, people our age are either going to get less. I don't think anyone like 55 and older is going to face reduced benefit, but they're, they're going to probably raise the age for people who are like 45 and younger, they might reduce the benefit, but there, that's going to probably be the solution for the solvency yeah, issue. It's, it's the easiest solution. And I mean, honestly, we have software and the ability to help people quantify what solutions work for them. You know, you should just go engage a professional, figure out what the best option is for you. And you can go to btwellshow.com and you can do that. We'll, we'll run a calculator for you, tell you exactly what your options would be and maybe what, what looks like it may be in your best interest. So the net, then this kind of leads into the next topic about investing habits. Um, and I did not know this was a new trend until I read this article, but so millennials and Gen Z are selling stocks to cover everyday expenses. So apparently like roughly half of younger investors have been selling stocks to, or it could be mutual funds or ETFs, but selling to make up for probably some costs that have uh, come with inflation and, and also not not contributing as much as they were, which is kind of surprising to me because there's also a lot of other data that shows that younger savers and investors have been um, showing better investor behavior than previous generations. I mentioned that to a more senior advisor recently, and they said, I don't believe that for a second. And I'm like, well, here it's this is what this report shows. It's just kind of encouraging. But then I feel like this this goes back to what he said. He's like, a lot of people are just going to, they're going to make mistakes along the way. Well, so I read this and I'm going to use myself as an example. My emergency funds, my brokerage account. Okay. Not that many people do that. Right. But when I am going to make a large purchase or I'm going to buy real estate, I'm selling stock investments to pay for that. I would I, imagine most people in this well, survey, that's not how well, here's they're the only utilizing thing, it. Here's the only reason I want to know. What yeah. what got really popular the last three years? What if all of a sudden people are just putting all their extra money into an online train because it got popular, and now they're selling it to cover their expenses? Like I feel like this needs a little bit more, a little bit more context behind it. Like if it said they're cashing out retirement accounts, that's not what it said. It said they're selling stocks. So I'm trying to figure out, are they selling stocks to, you know, that weren't even intended for retirement? Like I'm putting the money there because I want a place that I can get growth. But my necess that, that account for me is not a retirement account. It's where I'm putting my extra cash in the stock market till I figure out what I'm going to do with it. Eventually, I'm going to go buy some real estate or do something with it. But that's not a retirement account. So that's what I'd really like to know is, were these actually... Were the people selling these, was the thought that these are retirement accounts or is this, hey, I'm putting the money here until I find something different to do with it? I, I could see that, especially with the, uh, it is true that more people are investing in the market than previously. Um, I could see that. I mean, if, yeah, if you're selling brokerage account money, especially if you're selling gains to then go help yourself with a down payment on a house or pay for a vehicle. I don't think anyone's going to have any issue with that. 
I mean, you still need your long-term savings, right? Your retirement accounts should be like, I'm not touching those. Well, but yeah, if I've, you if you invested some money and took it off the table to do something else with it, that's probably not an issue at all. Yeah, I think people, I mean, people should have, well, I believe people should have an account that's not necessarily just for retirement. I mean, so let me ask you a question. Let's say we're going through life and you've put all of your money into your retirement account. And then a piece of ground comes for sale that you want to buy. Let's say you, you want to buy some hunting land or you're a farmer or you want to buy a new house and all of your money's in your 401k because you just stuffed it. You didn't say, hey, maybe I should be saving some money other another place that could be for retirement, but it could be for additional purchase for some other purchase. It's all in your 401k. What do they do to buy their farmland? Because I've yeah, seen this happen. Point, yeah, your retirement rich, your retirement account rich. and But what what do they do, Elias? That half a million dollars in their 401k, what do they do to go buy the farmland? A lot of people probably consider taking it out. I hope they don't. They take but, a loan. Oh, yeah, or loan. They're going to take yeah. a loan from it. Yeah, they loan Which it's fine. It's your yeah. own money, but that's really not the point of the retirement account. You would have been arguably better off just having it in this other account. You could have sold the funds, got access to it, not have to pay back. You know, people are like, well, it's my money. Well, yeah, but now on 50 grand, you're paying like 1100 bucks a month to pay it back. Plus, you went and bought some property that you didn't pay cash for. So you just added another debt burden to yourself. So I, I think that, you know, save, finding a different place to save money is actually a pretty good idea. Um, yeah, I got to ask the other day, you know, is it worth saving money when you're younger? And I kind of chuckled because I'm like, of course it is. It's the best time to save. It's kind of like planting a tree. When was the best time to plant a tree? 30 yes. years ago. Well, yesterday. It doesn't matter. Just yesterday. Um, but Goldman Sachs had a had a report that indicates the younger generations are less likely to feel that they're um, ready for retirement and that some have like really unrealistic goals about retirement. And I've seen this. People think they're going to have all this money in retirement, but they don't have to save any today. And I think that, you know, if, if you're 25 years old it's great to think retirement's going to be something different because it can be for you, but you better figure out how to get there. It's not just, well, I'm going to retire in Florida on a yacht. If Why you're not? making, you know, 70 grand over at Rockwell, like that's probably not reality. You're going to have to figure out and get a good plan as to how you're actually going to get there. And that's actually why the earlier you start, the better you get the time value of money working for you. I'm not saying you can't do it. Let's we've all seen the fire movement, you know, financially independent, retire early. And if people took that and said, Hey, I want to have this elaborate retirement, but I'm willing to wait till I'm 60. But they applied the fire principles, which a lot of these people do in the fire movement, they're saving 50 to 70% of their paycheck. I mean, they're living on nothing. If you were making 70 grand and you saved 40 a year for 30 years, It'd be astronomical how much money you had. You'd be able to go to Florida to retire on a yacht, but people aren't willing to pay the price when they're young I don't because know about a yacht. What, what's thirty? What's thirty thousand over? You save thirty grand a year for forty years. Yachts are expensive. I'm plugging it in. Um, but my point is, they could do it if they start young. If they wait till they're thirty-five or forty to do it, that can't happen. It won't happen. Unless they win the lottery or, you know, just get extremely lucky. 
with something. Um, even if, and even if it's a small, a small amount of money you're saving when you're young, if you were able to, and if, if someone did it, if you were able to track your contributions, even if it was as little as a hundred dollars a month, like when you're 20 years old, the, the, those dollars are going to grow so much more significantly than anything you put away, like after age 50. Now the results can catch up to each other because it's, you're probably saving more, but when you're young and putting money away that, you know, those compounding returns over time is really what makes it, makes it work. And then I think some of this was about younger people having unrealistic goals with retirement. And, um, as far as like the returns that you can be made. And I've been talking a lot with younger investors recently, because sometimes I'll get some comments about, man, the market's just not doing great right now. My accounts are down. Well, the market going down and certainly the market slowing down, like it has the last couple of years, I can make an argument that that was a very good thing for younger long-term investors. You're able to put money away, uh, put money away at a better price and buy more shares, and that's going to pay off over okay. time. Okay, I ran the number. You ready? Yeah, what is it? Okay, so here's scenario. You got a 23-year-old, say 25, 25-year-old, 25 making 70000 a year. They're saving thirty of it. Okay. So they're not living on much, right? Because they're doing twenty two thousand in their yeah, you're twenty two five in their four one k. So that's off the top. So they got fifty. So after tax, they're getting you know thirty five hundred a month. Plus, they're saving another six hundred, but they still got like twenty five hundred a month coming in, probably a little more. So one point five million is a totally invested. I went back to nineteen eighty three. So that's what forty years, right? Yeah, they do that right. Forty years. That's going to be a lot. What do you think? I don't know, 15, 20 million. So I, I used a mutual fund. This is off Morningstar. I'm not going to say what mutual fund, but it's a growth mutual fund. Okay. Preface it. 42.95 million. Holy moly. So guess what? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can have the yacht. Yeah, but a yacht, a yacht can be like a couple hundred million dollars. What depends on the guy you buy? You could get a nice one for eight million. I just watched Ben Mala buy one for one point eight million. It was eighty three feet. I'm pretty sure you'd be okay. Okay, well, think about can that. You operate though. it. What's it cost to operate? Well, if you bought a two million dollar yacht and you so you still had forty million left, you know, just buying a treasury today, you're getting two mil a year just in interest. I bet you can operate it. But my point is, hmm. it's reality if they start early. Man, I did 20, not. That that's a lot that's higher 30, than 000, what I thought it was going to be. Twenty five hundred bucks a month. Like it sounds like a lot. Someone could do it. Someone could easily do and it. And that was for forty years. I went back to nineteen eighty three. Wow, that's incredible. Average rate of return eleven point three two percent. That's what that fund averaged over that period of time. So will that happen in the future? Absolutely not. Because we don't know what the investment's going to earn each year, but this is assuming had you started this investment in 1983, 30,000 a year is what I put in there, you'd have 42.95 million. It's a lot. 
So you could retire in Florida on a yacht. But if you started 20 years later, what's that story, Eli? Like, that's that's really the number. Like, oh, it's probably less than half. Well, let's just plug it in because that that's what – when people ask, should I save early, this is the easy way to just quantify that, right? Like, So if you start 20 years – It's 2003. You're going to start in 2003. Yeah, start so you're getting the benefit of buying the market low. Like, everybody thinks market timing matters. And that time in the market matters. Okay, so the same scenario, we saved 30,000, but now for 20 years, how much? 8 million. 3.9, average rate Gosh, of return 10%. I was way off on both of those. Yeah, so that's why starting early is so powerful. And you know, we talk like small numbers with people like 500 bucks a month, but extrapolate out into bigger numbers and it's just larger. So, wow. So it's like 10, it's almost 90% less well, yeah, well, by think, starting 20 years later. Yeah, think about it. If you look at rule of 72, yeah. right? Take your interest rate divided by, the, you know, the interest rate divided by 72, that's how many years your money doubles on average. Well, it 11%, which was the other one, this one's average 10. Okay, so 20 years. You're talking like almost three doubles. Yeah. Well, 3.9 to 7.8 to 15.6 to 32. It's just all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all the extra contributions. So if you think you shouldn't do it when you're young, you should do it when you're young. And those numbers are, the, I mean, okay, go from 30,000 to 3,000. So instead of, what was it, 42 million? It's 4.2 million. Most people would be happy. Yeah, with it's that. all going to be about, yeah. It's not like that's 3,000 a year, not a month, a year. Which is very Most people do- can save $3,000 a year if they're 23 years old. There's, should be, should there's, be too. You know, the people I hang out with, they're spending more than that on entertainment. <laughs> well, that happens. Elias, great show. I want to thank everybody for listening. If anybody's looking for help putting together a distribution strategy or getting started on, you know, setting up your financial freedom, you can go to btwellshow.com. Until next time, I want to thank you for listening. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.